you haven't done so already, I'm going to encourage you to turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, we're going to start in verse 5. These are some of the words that Jesus gives us from his Sermon on the Mount. If you're keeping score, this is... uh, uh, the fourth sermon that we've been uh, that we're doing on uh, practical Christianity, and we're looking at the idea that it's one thing to have uh, the right beliefs, to have biblical beliefs about um, the Bible and about what it means to be a Christian, but that's, those things don't necessarily guarantee change in our lives. And so we're looking at uh, various practices of the Christian life uh, to see how God can uh, change us and, and grow us uh, as his people. And this morning we're going to look at the idea of, or the topic of prayer, if you will. Last week we looked at uh, the topic of scripture and God's word in our lives and how instrumental and how important that is as we think about relating to the Lord. Uh, we're going to take up uh, another topic of, of prayer this morning and seeing how God uh, may use that in our lives to bring about change. And so let's jump right in. As you're able, let's stand for the reading of God's Word. I'm going to read um, just Matthew uh, 6, verses 5 through uh, 8. So a short, short passage. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This is God's word. It's absolutely true. Let's pray together. Father God, we uh, hear this passage and this instruction, and I pray that it wouldn't just wash off us, but you in these moments would cause our hearts and our minds just to to be stirred by it, uh, to meditate upon it, and that you would uh, encourage us and strengthen us. In Christ's name we ask. Amen. Please be seated. There's a story of of a monk, and he was... Uh, initiating a conversation with one of his fellow monks, and he said to his, his friend, he says, I'm going to give you my horse if you can recite the Lord's Prayer without being distracted. If you can pray each line of the Lord's Prayer without being distracted, without your mind wandering, even for a slight moment, uh, I'll give you my horse. And his monk friend was like, sure. I mean, what have I got to lose? And so he sits down and he begins to, to pray that prayer and he gets through line one and he gets through line two and then he stops. He says, I can't do it, okay? I can't do it. I was just, I was thinking about whether the horse came with a saddle or not. And you all have been in those situations, I'm sure, where you, you of all the intentions, you want to sit down but you only get distracted by what's going on in your life. And it doesn't matter where you are in, in, in your uh, how long you've been a Christian or how mature you are in the faith or how much experience you have with prayer. Uh, Pastor and and author, Christian pastor and author, uh, Brian Chappell talks about a time in his life. He was uh, the president of a a seminary, and uh, and he was at a stage in his life in that seminary and in his responsibility as president where things were very busy and very stressful. Uh, As president, a lot rides on him and what he does and how he leads and uh, all those things were just bearing down on him. 
Uh, I mean, for, for weeks and months, it seemed, in his life, he would wake up to this endless to-do list and these phone calls and these meetings uh, and these uh, conversations that he has to have with individuals at knowing that so much rides on the outcome and the outcome wasn't even guaranteed uh, in light of what all the work he was pouring into that. And he knew that he needed to pray, and he knew the, the value of prayer and uh, the, the need to retire and, and take some moments and, and spend some time with the Lord. And if he did find the time to do that, he would sit down just, for, just trying for a couple moments just to, to, to meditate on who God is. And he would find himself being distracted, uh, you know, wondering if this strategy is going to work out or maybe this kind of strategy would work, and he would catch himself and he'd go back and just try to pray. And it just seemed like for, for weeks, just sitting down and praying without being distracted was so hard for him to do. And again, I'm sure many of you can uh, empathize with that and sympathize with that, that you've been in those situations where things are just feel so heavy in your life that it's hard to pray. Uh, you know things are stressful, you know things are difficult, and you know it's important to pray, but you sit down to pray, and it's all you can do is to get a, a couple sentences out before your mind begins to wander and, and think about what's going on. Even if things are not stressful, you sit down to pray, and you think, man, that was a great movie last night, or what am I going to eat today for, for lunch? Your mind just wanders. And so in light of that, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm praying, that as we spend some time talking about prayer from this passage, that we'll be in- encouraged and, and walk away with a, a, a little bit of, of help, if you will, and some wisdom uh, for some of us being reminded of it, for some of us uh, to engage in it. What does it look like to have a, a, a growing and a thriving prayer life, to be a people who actually pray and trust him and know him? And so towards that end, I want to talk about three things uh, from this passage about prayer. I want to talk about who we pray to, I want to talk about why we pray, and I want to talk about how we pray, and that how we pray is maybe some best practices of prayer, some maybe some more practical uh, insight into how to cultivate our prayer lives. But first, uh, who we pray to, and I think this is important, as you'll see in a moment. Uh, Jesus begins his instructions to his disciples about prayer Remember, this paragraph is the the introduction to the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We ended in verse 8, but in verse 9, he begins to give us the Lord's Prayer, which we prayed a moment ago. But in verse 5, he starts with a warning. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. This is Jesus saying, don't pray like this. Don't do this. Uh, The hypocrites are, are hypocrites because they are, are praying to leave an impression upon other people. And he gives, Jesus gives two scenarios. Obviously, we can envision this, the synagogue situation where an individual would stand up and, and pray and, and pray to the effect of to, to really wow the audience, to, for them to think, man, he's really a devout man. But he talks about, too, praying on street corners. And I think this is, uh, alludes to the times in Jerusalem when a, a horn would be sounded from the temple and it would be time for a fast or it would be time for a sacrifice. And these hypocrites would, would stop where they are out on the streets and they'd face the temple and they would begin to pray. And Jesus accuses them of, of doing this so as to leave a positive impression on those around them. 
They're doing it thinking about others. They're not thinking about who God is and what he's doing. They're, they're, they're playing to the crowds, so to speak. They're trying to impress them and trying to sway their opinion so that they would think they have, um, that they are really devout. Now, does this mean that we don't pray in public? Uh, some of you hear that and think, that would be great. I do not want to pray in public. Uh, when you're in those small group or, or church situations and somebody says, would somebody be willing to pray for this? You are just looking at your shoes. You're, uh, you're not making eye contact. The last thing you want to do is pray out loud in front of other people. I don't think this is, is a call to, to cease public prayer. If it was, then we wouldn't be praying together like we're doing uh, here this morning. You wouldn't be praying with your, your family. You wouldn't be praying in public when you're um, before a meal. Uh, certainly that's not the point. Jesus is saying don't pray to impress others. Uh, your neighbor, uh, the, the person on the street, that, or your, uh, the people you're, you're worshiping with or next to, those, those people are not the audience of your prayers. Uh, God is the audience. We don't, don't pray out loud to impress others. We pray out loud because we're thankful. Uh, when you're at the, the Mill Street uh, Grill or out in public and you're, you're giving thanks for that meal, you, you pray because you're thankful. You don't pray because you want your friends and, and the neighbor uh, around here in the community to think, man, they're really devout, they're really a strong uh, Christian. No, you just pray because you're thankful and because you want to give God glory for his good provision in your life. And in other words, pray in public out of an overflow of your life with Christ, of your walk with him. Which leads us to verse 6 here, the should of, or how we should pray. Jesus says, when you pray, and he gives these specific instructions, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. This is unobserved private prayer. And, and by doing this, Jesus is, is helping us and, and protecting us and saying, go and pray in such a way that nobody's going to see you. And you don't have to worry about the impression that you're leaving upon other people. You don't have to worry about the words necessarily that you're using. Go to your place of private prayer to meet with your heavenly Father who is there. And when we go there in prayer, it's certainly when you pull away and you go to that private place to prayer... To pray, you're doing it from pure motives in a sense because you love God and you want to know him and you want to bring your, your thoughts and your concerns before him. But to, to pray like this is to know as well that God knows who you are. When you're praying to impress other people, you can manipulate them. You can manipulate the opinion of what other people have about, about you. But to pray like this, as Jesus is encouraging us, is to say you can't manipulate God. God knows who you are. He knows everything about you. He knows your thoughts. He knows your habits. He knows your routines. He knows what you like and don't like. He knows the, the future. He knows your past. He knows everything about you. You can't, it, it, you can't persuade him by pretending to be something that you are not. Which means for us is that when we go to him in prayer, we've got to be comfortable with his view of us. Uh, if you have a chance in prayer where you're really engaging uh, the Lord, engaging God as your Father, you've got to be comfortable with who you are before him, meaning you understand your relationship with Christ. You understand what he has done for you, that you are completely forgiven, 
that, that your sins have, have been, you know, you're no longer accountable for those things. There's no condemnation in Christ that God loves you in him, which frees you up to be honest with him, to be yourself with him, uh, to be humble before him because he knows who you are and you're comfortable with how he views you. You're not pretending to be something that you're not, in other words. You all know the, the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector in the Gospel of Luke. And you know those two gentlemen go into the, the, the sanctuary, go into the, the temple to, to pray. And, and you've got the, the Pharisee who's standing up and he's praying and basically saying, God, look how great I am. I'm so much better than this person and that person. I'm so thankful that I'm not them and I'm not them. And then you've got the tax collector who's standing off uh, kind of on the sidelines a little bit. And he simply prays, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He knows who he is before God. He's not pretending to be something that he's not. He's not trying to to persuade God or or draw attention to his record in a way that would make him more uh, acceptable to God. But he's being who he is before the Lord. When you go into that private time of prayer, that, that your prayer closet, so to speak, You've got to be comfortable with, your view, with God's view of you as completely accepted, fully loved, that his steadfast love is not going to part from you because you messed up or you did this or you did that, but he loves you freely because you belong to Christ and because you are in him. And so the application for us here is what? The application is this, to be simply mindful of who you are praying to, to think about who you are praying to, who you are talking to, And when you take in and you understand this is who I'm talking to, I'm talking to my heavenly Father, that seems to solve so many problems that we have with prayer in our lives. Sometimes we, because sometimes we go to prayer and we think, we feel like we just do it out of duty. This is what's required of me. This is what I, I have to do. Or we think, you know, how long do I need to be praying? How long do I need to do this so I can check it off and, and assuage my guilty conscience so I can go on and do what I really want to do? I don't feel like I'm really doing anything when I pray. So we have all these, these false notions of prayer. But when you pause and you think about who it is that you're praying to, it seems to, to take the, um, the, 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 the weight out of it being duty becomes something you want to do. If he's the God of the universe... He's the one that's created all things by the power of, of his voice and by the power of his might. If he loves you fully in Christ, if he has promised you e- eternity to come, if he's forgiven you of all your sins, he's done all these things, and you take upon this is who he is, suddenly it doesn't feel like a duty to pray. It doesn't feel like an obligation because I get to talk to my heavenly father. I get to relate to him. I get to, I get to know him. It's not so much about what I have to do, but it moves us towards what I get to do. I get to talk to him. I get to spend time with him. This God of the universe, I get to interact with. I get to know, and he knows me, and he's promising to work in my life. So that's who we pray to. Let's think about a little bit of why we pray. Again, back to verse, the end of verse 6, Jesus says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What's the reward? He invites us to pray and to, to pray and go into our private rooms in a place where nobody can see us and nobody can observe us. What is our reward? In other words, what is prayer all about? Why am I going to pray? Am I going to get inner peace? 
Is that my motive to pray? Am I going uh, because I want him to, to fix my circumstances? Am I going because I want him to uh, change my children's lives? Because I want him to change my spouse? Because I want him to do this, this, or that? Why do we pray? Why do we go into that prayer closet and what is the reward? If it's these things, he does answer our prayers. He does give us peace. He does give us assurance. He does give us wisdom. He does change people around us. But that's our motive. Then we're just viewing God as just some kind of genie. If we say the right words and and really show that we're really genuine, then he's going to answer our requests. But God is saying your reward is promised to you. What is that reward? The reward, I think, if I think we look at it in this context of this passage, the reward is that we get God. The reward is God as our Father. We didn't read it, but we certainly prayed it earlier in the service, the Lord's Prayer. The first half of that prayer is about what? There's no mention of circumstances. There's no, there's no confession that's going on there. It's, it's celebrating. It's an enjoying. It's being amazed by God as your Father. God is the king of the universe, God who has a will, God who's driving, God is working, God is who is doing. It's about him. And so when we engage him in that, that private prayer, when we engage him in our, in our prayer closet, so to speak, the reward is more of him. Paul, in the, in the book of Romans, chapter 8, talks about when we cry out, Abba, Father, the Holy Spirit witnesses with our spirit that we are God's children, that we belong to him, that he is our Father, the Lord's Prayer and other places in Scripture, the more we seek him, the reason we seek him in prayer is to get more of him in our lives. Let me take a step back for, for a moment and think about it like this. Uh, there's two extremes that, that people have about prayer, two models of prayer, if you will. One extreme says we don't need to pray. We don't need to make specific requests because God is sovereign. He's in control of all things. And if he's in control of all things, and if he has a will, it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter. I mean, who am I to go and ask the the God of the universe, the God who created everything, who designed my DNA, is he really going to listen to me? I'm just a dude or a dudette that lives in Manning. Why would he ever listen to me? God is sovereign, so I don't need to make requests to him. The other extreme is we pray because God changes things. And we pray because God changes things because if I don't pray for it, it's not going to happen. The extreme of this would be is if I don't pray that that Sally becomes a Christian, then Sally's going to go to hell because I did not pray for her. What does James say to us in in James chapter 4? You do not have because you do not ask. And so if I fail to ask, if I fail to pray and pray and pray and pray, then it's my fault that God didn't work. It's, it's my fault that God didn't change anything. And so it's all dependent upon me. You have these two extremes. Is God sovereign? He is completely sovereign. He is fully in control. And we celebrate that and we worship, it, worship him for that. And so we pray to him. Does prayer change things? Yes. He commands us to pray. He commands us to pray specifically. We, in that um, responsive reading that we did about prayer, Ask, seek, knock, go to him, uh, uh, bring your request to him because he changes, because he's our heavenly father that answers our prayer requests. 
And so we pray because he is sovereign. We pray because he does change things. But we pray because we want more of our Heavenly Father in our lives. We want to relate to him. We want to know him. Uh, D.A. Carson gives this example of a father and a son or a father relating to his children. Now, his children come to, the, the, come to their father and they ask him for things. And sometimes the father will say, okay, here it is. And they love to give things uh, to their children. Sometimes the, the child will come to the father and make a request and say, can I have this? And the father will say, no, you're not going to get that. Or the father will say, not right now. Or the father will say, I don't think you really know what you're asking for. You're just making a whimsical kind of request. Now, when the, the son comes to his father, he knows that it's, it doesn't matter how he expresses that. It doesn't matter if he uses the right words or, or he goes to him at a, over and over again. He knows that his father is going to give it to him because he wants to. He's going to give it to him because he's out of wisdom or he's going to deny it because it wouldn't be healthy for them. But in the midst of that relationship is the idea that the father and the son, father and the child relating and being together. Certainly there's asking and there's giving that goes on and the father gives and responds because he loves his child. But that's not the goal of the relationship. The goal of the relationship is for them to know one another, to be with one another. Sometimes the father and your child, you just want to be together with them. You want to see them, you want to relate to them. You want the, the son to, to, to know you and for, the, and for you as, as a father uh, to know them. It's, it's true in our spiritual lives as well. God is not a genie that we go to to solve our problems. Do we make specific prayer requests? Yes, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But God is our heavenly father. How are you doing at relating to him? How are you doing at knowing him in your life? He gave you his son. He gives you the Holy Spirit. He has the promise of eternity. He gives you all these rich promises, all these truths to, to live by. How are you doing at relating to him and knowing him? Think about it like this, you know, in terms of, of answering the question why we, we pray. If you're missing joy in the Christian life, if you're overwhelmed with a, a sense of, of dread and uh, pessimism, then maybe spending some time in prayer thanking God is going to give you a sense of joy in all that he is. If you are feeling like you're not approachable to other people in the sense that there's lack of humility and you're struggling with pride, struggling with your way, maybe it's time to spend some time just confessing your sin to the Lord and humbling yourself before him so that other people can see you as humble. If you're struggling in your love for God, in other words, if I, I love to, I want to talk about my faith. I want to talk about the blessings of my faith. I want to encourage other people um, to come to church or to, to grow in the Lord or to engage the gospel. But you feel like you're just not genuine in doing that. Then maybe spending some time with the Lord in private prayer is going to grow your love for God so that you can go to other people out of an overflow of that. You love God. You've seen God bless you in so many ways and, and his power might working in you. And so that at an overflow of that prayer life, you're going and able to, to move uh, towards others and see him willing to work there. If authentic Christianity, in other words, is going to be lived out, it has to start from the inside. It has to start from us going to the closet Spending time in prayer, knowing him, and being known by him 
so that we can move out in love, so that we can move out in joy, so that we can move out in humility because we're getting more of the Father in our lives. With that being said, let's talk a little bit about uh, some practical how, how we pray. Uh, one author talks about how it's so easy for preachers to just to lay these guilt trips on their congregation. And this author remembers a time he's sitting in a, in a service and this, this preacher is going on and on about uh, a problem in the world, talking about poverty in the world and world hunger and how people are starving and just how bad it is and how we as a church and as, as Christians are so obligated to, to meet that need and fulfill that need. And he, has, he gets to the climax of his sermon and he says, in effect, how now you people have to do something about this. You people have to do something about this. And he just closes in prayer. And this author remembers walking out of the church thinking, what do I do? I mean, just overwhelmed by the guilt of I'm a Christian and I feel so bad that these people are doing this and all these things are happening. What do I do about it? Preachers are great about laying on guilt and it's easy to lay guilt as a motivation to do something. What are some practical things we can do? I don't want anybody to walk out. It's like, okay, I need to pray. And maybe you'll start praying tomorrow, but Tuesday and Wednesday are going to come and it's just going to fade into the woodwork and you're just going to go back to life as usual. What are some practical things we can do to grow in our prayer lives? Certainly we would be remiss if we didn't mention the Lord's Prayer, which takes place after this uh, passage. This passage is an introduction to that, as we said a moment ago. And you think about how that starts and, and using that prayer as a model of prayer for you, a model in the sense of certainly you read it and you, and you, and you say it, but make that prayer personal. Make that prayer uh, yours in your life. For example, it says, Our Father. Maybe take some time and, and praise God why that is the case, how it got to be that, that God is your Father, that you know him as Father, reflecting upon Christ, the Son who gave his life for us, reflecting upon the forgiveness that's there, that how we've been reconciled to him, no longer prodigals running wild, but we've, we've come home and we, we know the embrace, we know the, the security of having God as our Father. Make that prayer your own. And then moving on as it moves in, into the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. Sometimes I think the reason that we're worried, the reason we're anxious, the reason we're angry is because our will is not being done. We're, we're, we're freaking out because our kingdom is not coming. So maybe spend some time praying for God's will to be done in your life. Certainly in the world, certainly in the, in the community, certainly that, that God's will will be done in the life of, of your children or your spouse. But can you pray for God's will to be done in your life? Before we're going to pray it for the world, we need to pray it for ourselves, desiring God's kingdom to be present in our lives. God's kingdom in the sense of, God, your rule and your reign, would it be true in my life? May I want to know it. I'm struggling with this area. Can I know more of your lordship here? Help me to submit to you. Help me to to do this or to do that. And then, in a sense, we're ready for what? Our daily bread, our daily needs. Father, I've got to do this today. Would you be with me on this appointment? I've got this huge to-do list multiplying my time. I've got to, to bring this up. It could be a hard conversation. Would you be with me here? God, I need wisdom with this, or I'm struggling with this with my child or with my spouse or with my uh, folks. Can you help me out with this? Make some specific prayer requests to him. Your daily needs, what are those things? Lead me not in temptation. What are you struggling with? 
What sin are you falling uh, into? What, are you, what lies are you believing? God, protect me from those things. Forgive me of my debts. What do you need to ask forgiveness for? What sins do you need to confess? Maybe just simply ask him. Sometimes we go to him and say, God, forgive me of my sins, and we move on. But maybe take a moment and say, God, what specifically do I need to confess? And just take a moment and humble yourself before the Lord. And maybe there's something specific that you're not seeing to confess to him. Make the Lord's prayer your own. Use that as a model for your own life. Don't just race through it, but make it personal. Other have used, others have used the, the practical model of, of ACTS, uh, A-C-T-S, Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Some of you, you know this. Uh, maybe use that as an outline uh, for your time of prayer. Uh, adoration, what can you praise God for? Uh, praise him that he's loving and spend a couple of moments doing that. And then confession, what do you need to confess to the Lord? Thanksgiving, what are you thankful for? Maybe something he's done in your life, uh, a way he's blessed you in a certain way. Maybe you're thankful for something about him, his character, his person, his promises, his will. And then supplication. You know, what, what prayer requests do you have for yourself, for your spouse, uh, for your, your children, for your family, for the community, um, for your church, for the world? Just kind of expand outer and outer, you know, praying real personal relationships and then uh, out from that to other relationships. Uh, some people find it helpful to keep a prayer journal. Uh, you've got a notebook, you've got um, uh, some paper, a pad of paper, or someplace on, on your phone or computer where you're just keeping some prayer requests. You know, this is how I'm praying for this person. This is how I'm praying for that person. Uh, this is how I'm praying for my church. That's how I'm praying for the world. Uh, so on. It's how you're praying for, for missionaries. Something that you can reference to remind yourself of things you need to pray for. But at the same time, to be able to, to, to log in, this is how God answered. This is God's response to that. I've been praying about this for a week or for uh, five years, and God finally answered. God finally worked uh, in this way. Keep a prayer journal. Some people find it really helpful. Regardless of how you pray and what model of prayer you're using, you've got to be prepared that your mind is going to drift, that your mind is going to get distracted. Uh, maybe get a scrap of paper or a notebook. And if you're praying, 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 oh, I need to get milk today, just write down, i got to get milk, and get back to your praying, get back to, um, to what you're doing. If something pops in your head, it's helpful just to write it down. There's closure on it. You can move on and, and move back and, and to be seeking uh, him. Some people find it helpful to take a prayer walk, um, to walk around the neighborhood, preferably when it's not as humid, and just go and, and be able to pray out loud. In fact, I would really encourage you to pray out loud and by that, I mean to pray softly, uh, to, to, to move your mouth. Sometimes it, it, it helps us engage, and it keeps us on track, and it keeps us from our minds uh, from wandering and getting distracted by this thought or that thought or, or what's going on, just to, to pray out loud. And finally, the, the, the last thing is this. That you're, you're not going to pray until you ask, answer this question, when and where. When are you going to pray, and where are you going to pray? We've talked about what to pray for, but when are you going to actually do it? It's one thing to talk about. I value prayer, and I think prayer is really cool. It's really important. But when are you praying? When are you sitting down before your Heavenly Father and being yourself before him, being who you are in Christ before him, bringing your requests, bringing your burdens, bringing your praises, bringing your thanks? 
When are you going to do that? Is prayer hard work? It is hard work. It is difficult. But God promises to bless. God promises to work. It, it's, it's where we, we, we find growth. It's where we find help. It's where we find power. It's where we find God meeting our needs and hearing us and working in our midst. Let's be a people who pray because we want to know him as our heavenly father and we want to see his blessing, we want to see his promises, we want to see his commandments be true in our lives. Let's pray together. Father God, we uh, humble ourselves uh, before you and confess how prayerless we are. Uh, Our prayer of confession uh, alluded to that uh, a moment ago, that we um, are easily distracted uh, we easily uh, fall into to, to believing that there's other practical things that we can do. Father God, uh, when you invite us to ask and to seek and knock, when you say that you're able to do richly and more than all we ask or imagine, uh, we meet that with, with doubt. We meet it with skepticism because we don't want to be disappointed. But Father God, help us to be a people who trust you. Help us to be a people who love you. Help us to be a people who want your will to be done more than our will. We remember Christ in the garden before the cross, asking that he would not partake of this cup, that he would not go to the cross, but nevertheless, not my will be done, but your will be done. Help us to submit to you and to love you and to grow in our prayer lives. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen.